0: Hi,
1: you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Today's topic is making 2017 your best year yet. As each year is ushered out with the ringing in of the new year, I take time to contemplate on life, my life, my job, my family, my friends, and God's goodness. I look back at the months and ask myself, where did God meet me? Did I find him in the moments of joy as I looked into the eyes of my grandchildren? Was he there in conversations with guests on my radio show? Did I see him in the tears of women who attended our Best Life conferences? Or was I aware of his presence in the everyday world here at the farm? I look for God in the big moments when he's found clearly directing my steps. I look for him in my dark moments when I feel his presence in my soul. I wait for him in the blurry moments when I don't know what to do. But mostly what I have found over this past year of 2016 is that when I seek God for everything, I see him in everything. What about you? Have you taken time to reflect on the goodness of God over this past year? It's time to look back and see where God showed up, where he met you, and where you truly sought his presence. Let's declare that 2017 will be a great year. Let's work at becoming our best version of ourselves. Here's to a happy new year and many God sightings for us all. First Chronicles 22:19 says, Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Now, in order to start the new year out right, I decided to bring you some fabulous insights that we learned from last year's podcasts. I don't want to forget anything that was relevant to helping us become our best versions of ourselves. Let's start out the review process by listening to an excerpt from our show about fear. Here's our friend Pastor Frank Riley from Manchester, Connecticut. I'm wondering, Frank, what do you think? How can we break free from the bondage of being controlled by fear?
2: Hmm. Yeah, I, I think there are moments probably when we're all controlled by it or where we're all paralyzed by fear. I know that I've certainly been there. Those moments in our life where we think, um, hey, God, I, I can't do this. So, um, so anyway, how to break free, I, I think... Um, two key words, and I would just say these two words, one is to confess, and the other is to give, and by confess, I think I mean, you know, I don't hide, I don't pretend it's not there, sometimes we do that, We, we, we almost believe that we're fooling God, it's not like he already doesn't know, and so the first thing to do is to admit it, I've got this fear, and it's keeping me from being free to be what you, God, want me to be, you know, in this very moment. And, uh, and so basically with that right out there in front of him, I just give it to God, and that's the give. You know, God, I'm going to give this to you. There's that verse that we've heard again and again, and it's that idea of cast your anxiety on God or on him because he cares for you. And I think that's the, that's the large step, not to pretend that fear isn't there, but rather to give it to God. You know, and, uh, and yes, there may be, every time you're giving it to him, it may be that you give it, you take it right back. You give it to him again, and 50 times in the day, you take it back. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. It doesn't mean that, uh, that you're not scared or fearful, but each time you hand it over, you know, for me, I find that it's almost as if in, in his eyes, it's a fresh step of faith toward, uh, toward freedom. We don't, we can't break free ourselves. It's something that God has to do in and through us.
1: Healthy friendships are something we long for, and Best Life staffer Kathleen Soggy discussed this with me. Um, One of the things that's hard is that friends can have disagreements. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had friends that have not agreed with how I was raising my kids. I've had friends that have, you know, oh, crazy things that have wanted to borrow things or borrow money, and you never get stuff back. Mm -hmm. I've had friends that were incredibly ungrateful when i've helped them Mm -hmm. and then flip that around i've had some of the best friends you know in life and how they've treated me and you know that things have gone very well but one of the things that's really difficult is when you have a problem with somebody yes so i want to know you know you have a different personality than me i have kind of that driver i want to just go right in and say okay here's our problem let's talk it out how do you do it without being offended? How so let's talk about you and me so that we don't scare anybody. So say that I've offended you somehow. Um, you talk about what what would you do?
3: Well, I'd probably want to talk to you about it and I would say, Hey Kathy, there's something that I'm thinking about that happened the other day, or you said this or that, or I, I kind of thought maybe you were mad at me. Are you are you mad at me or did I do something? Did I say something? And so I'll just come out and ask you, but I, I believe that it's the healthier way to do it, because i'm I'm a peacemaker as a rule. Mm-hmm. I really don't like it when there's conflict. Yep. I hate conflict. Yes. and i I say to to my uh, staff at work, I say, "Well, let's have a PEP fest." And that just means that we need to talk about this, or I don't want them to think I'm trying to be, you know, offensive to them or hurt their feelings. But I want the freedom to be able to say, okay, you know, this is happening to me. This is bothering me. I don't, are you okay with me? Right. Or what did I do? Uh, Because my heart is never to offend people on purpose. Of course, of course. And, you know, some people have stronger personalities than others. And some people like to control and and walk away mad and not talk to you for weeks or months on on end. And, And I think that's, Something to be careful of in friendships because you don't want to constantly have high maintenance with people um, where they're just, you know, going to constantly be offended over every little thing.
1: I think that a good friendship to look at is like we talked about, David and Jonathan, because it's give and take. You know, you uh, love your friend, you take care of them, and vice versa. I always look for the friends, Kathleen, that i think of okay i am going to be in the twin cities and my car broke down who can i call that will come and pick me up because i want the loyal friendship i want the people that are going to stand by you Mm -hmm. Um, i don't want people that are going to ditch you if there's trouble so i like how you respect the whole thing about having issues because you're very very kind about it so i'm going to give our listeners a little example um because i'm the leader and I'm the leader of the ministry and Kathleen works for me as a motivational speaker and the director of prayer, You know, there's two different hats I wear. One is her bossy boss and the other is her friend. (laughs) And so there will be times when she'll say to me, okay, so here's what I was thinking. What if you thought about doing blah, blah, blah? Because in (laughs) in the fact that we're looking at being honest, you'll come to me and tell me the truth. And I will say to you, that's a great idea. Or I will say to you, "Mm, I don't think so, Kathleen. And instead of getting mad at me, you know, sometimes we'll just kind of walk through. Here's why I don't agree with it. Oh, okay, great. Here's why I think it's a good idea. Oh, okay, great. We walk away. We're still friends. We've had probably just a couple of bumps over the last seven years. Sandra and Jean Shea chatted about marriage. Next question. So um, arguing is a huge issue in marriage. And I just talked a little bit about it at the beginning of the show that you know, Dean and I had to really work on how to get along. Have you guys found a way to work out your problems and then not continue to hold on to grudges? Because grudges are kind of a, well, a you know, they, they're a joy robber.
4: In all honesty, this was a huge problem for our marriage. We didn't know how to argue. And whenever we did, it was just terrible. Uh, so I think I was very mature. Uh, I would yell, we might slam some doors. We would have a lot of conflict or we'd avoid each other. And the reality is we got to a point where we really realized that it was unhealthy. and We wanted to find a way to communicate better. And through this process, we realized that if I felt hurt, I actually shouldn't just go right at it. And part of my personality was being a fighter. So whenever I felt hurt or had an unmet need, I would want to talk about it right then and there. Now, on the other hand, Sandra.
5: I'm a runner, so whenever I felt hurt or was upset, the last thing on the planet I wanted to do was talk to Gene. I wanted to just stuff it under a rug and wait till things cooled down and then come back out with our happy faces. Right,
4: so it could be a fighter versus a runner, or it could be a hailstorm versus a snapping turtle. So we were opposites. But what we've realized all these, uh, after all these arguments and discussions is that we actually needed to set the table. And what I meant by that is I needed to make an appointment with Sandra to be able to let her know that I wanted to talk to her about an issue and to give her the opportunity to say yes or no. And if she said yes, we'd set a time. It wouldn't have to be right then and there. It could be a day later or later on in the day. And after setting the table, I've had to try to process the issue ahead of time. I didn't have a lot of awareness over my own thoughts, feelings, and emotions. I only knew what I didn't want, especially when I was hurt. So as a result, I needed to really change my paradigm because growing up, I grew up in a household where we really didn't know how to express emotions. And so I needed more awareness through that process to think through what's the issue, what are my thoughts, what are my feelings. What are my wants? And at that point, then we would have our discussion. And at the end of the day, it was really to help each other feel heard and understood in a safe manner. We needed a better communication process, and we learned that through couple communication. It's a national organization that helps create a process to be able to resolve issues in a very
6: efficient and effective manner.
1: Here's Best Life staffer Tony Guerrero with Everyday Worship.
6: Hi listeners, you and I have never met, we've never spoken or exchanged emails, and yet I know some stuff about you, some really good stuff. For example, I know you are loved by the Creator of the universe, I know you have a purpose on this earth, I know God has called you to things greater than even your biggest dreams, I know God wants to spend eternity with you, and I know you are gifted, yes, you. Sure, it's easy for a Christian to claim those first few things about you simply because the Bible tells us many universal truths about each other. But you may have a harder time accepting that last one, that you're gifted. Perhaps you haven't ever considered yourself gifted, talented, or creative. Maybe you've never been recognized for any particular act or trait that would label you as gifted. You may have spent your whole life not thinking of yourself in those terms. Words like that are for others, for the artists, the performers, the outgoing, the confident, the standouts. But I am sure of your giftedness, because God is sure. Follow this. The first act we see God doing is the act of creating. And during this act of creation, we were created by him in his image. Did you catch that? You were created by a creative God in his image. So guess what? You are creative. You are gifted. You are amazing. Deal with it. Now you may think I'm equating your giftedness to only artistic endeavors. Yes, God created us all to be creative, but He didn't give us all the same talents. Maybe you really can't draw or play music or sing or dance, but God is not a liar. You are still gifted. Your gift may be compassion. Your gift may be hospitality, accounting, relationships, cooking, decorating, mechanics, discernment. It is entirely possible to live for many years not recognizing your own true God-given gifts. But that doesn't mean you don't have them. It just means you've got some work to do because if God gave you gifts, and he did in case you haven't been paying attention, then he expects you to use them. If you're a parent, you've probably at one time or another taped a drawing onto the refrigerator that was made by one of your kids for everybody to see. Never mind that it doesn't look anything like what the child described it as, you're just proud of them for trying and you think it's beautiful. Just like that, God is proud of you when you act on your God-given creativity. Michelangelo said, A true work of art is but a shadow of the divine perfection. So according to Michelangelo, even the world's highest standards are nothing compared to what God can do. So then why do we let the opinion of the world overshadow what God thinks of our gifts? Go find your gifts, and when you do, cling to them as a precious gift from God, and use them. Claim your spot on his refrigerator." This is Tony Guerrero for Best Life Ministries with Worshipful Moments.
1: Best Life Staffer Dr. Mary Schultz Mishner joins the show as we talked about facing our deepest regrets self. So did you get to a point where you realized the value and the need of, you know, forgiving who you were and how you were living? Oh, most
5: definitely. Um, And I truly believe that forgiving yourself is one of the hardest things we do.
1: Oh, Definitely.
7: I think we're
5: much harder on ourselves than other people. We are. And it was something I wrestled with and wrestled with God um, for quite a while. In fact, I used to say to myself, oh, I will forgive myself for that. I will forgive myself for that. And then God got real serious with me and took me to um, a scripture in Isaiah where um, the prophet Isaiah kind of lays out what the crucifixion of Christ is like. And it's, it's a brutal chapter to read. And in, as I was reading that, God was really saying to me, you know, I did this for you. You are forgiven. This is what the cross means for you. How dare you not forgive yourself? And it was a real kick in the pants, a moment with God. Sure. Um, not some, one of my proudest moments either, but yet so freeing.
1: Mm-hmm.
7: Absolutely. And
5: from then on, I started saying, I do forgive myself. I do forgive myself. I do forgive myself. And I kind of said it until I really believed it. It was one of those times when God walks into our lives and it's not fun. Mm-hmm. But once you're on the other side of it, you're so grateful. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think about that moment on a regular basis.
1: Yeah. And I think in, in very frequently in life, What is it that holds us back? What is it that keeps us hostage within our own minds? I believe, you know, that we're so intricately made the way that God's developed our human brain and the effects that it can have on our physical and spiritual and emotional world. And I think what a sad thing that so often we just kind of get into a place where we're regretting something that we've done or that's happened to us and that just begins to take on a life of its own. Looking at last year, there were times when I had really fabulous moments. There were great things in my family, wonderful things in my marriage, incredible things happening in the ministry. And there were also those moments when it was difficult. There were deaths. There were troubles. There were problems that seemed insurmountable. And what do you do when that happens? Well, one of the things that really encourages me is other than prayer i really enjoy music and so i like to find songs that i can throw in and listen to that really lift my spirits so there's one that seems to be a greater comfort to my soul than others it's a favorite of mine by Christy knuckles and it's called in your hands let's give it a listen
7: my life. I give it to you. I place it in your hands. I place it in your hands. Here's my heart and well
1: Pastor Louis Schultz and I discussed the topic of conflict resolution. He had great insights on this subject. Ignore it. So, straight up without thinking about it, Louis, what's the first emotion you personally experience when you're dealing with conflict, and do you face conflict or do you avoid it?
0: Well, great question. I mean, straight up in the face of sensing that either I've offended somebody or somebody has recently offended me. I think Ken Sandy, who wrote the book Peacemakers, said it right. We either enter fight or flight. We either kind of go after and attack and defend ourselves like uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. You know, Uh we're in a culture of an election year and everything seems to be about attacking back, yes, you know, you're well, right. well, they, right. they, they started it. Um, I think I'm going to get sick if I hear that one more time, Yes. but we either attack back, Ken Sandy reminds us, or we have a flight response
7: mm-hmm. where
0: we try to stay away. We um, avoid, you know, maybe seeing that person, um, hoping and praying that somehow that time of not dealing with it will fix it. And we both know that unless you're intentional about it, it doesn't happen. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs thirty four seventeen, seek peace and pursue it. So the Holy Spirit's instinct within us, if we are believers in Jesus Christ and followers of his, that instinct by the Spirit will be to seek out and seek peace. Um, you know, the Matthew 18 passage that talks about dealing with conflict in a local congregation says, says go after that individual. And Jesus said, if if there's something you notice or remember happened to you or you caused offense for someone and you're say at church or quote at the altar, maybe in your quiet time. He says, leave whatever you're doing, go after that person and and make peace. So I think I think my my, my flesh's instant reaction is either to fight back, defend myself, or to avoid and withdraw. Okay. What about you?
1: Yeah, that's a great question that I created for myself and you, isn't it? <laughs> I don't like to think about it, so that has probably got some insight right there. Um when I think about the emotion of conflict resolution, trying to resolve something with somebody that I've had an issue with, the first thing I think of is that pit in my stomach. I get really nervous. I think right. Oh couldn't the ground just swallow me up? Do I have to do this? And then the truth is is if you can actually walk into a room, sit down over a cup of coffee and work through whatever that problem is, there is nothing greater than the feeling of resolving that conflict, walking away knowing you did your best. How great is that? So, I kind of either go both ways. I would say probably I like to avoid it if I can. But I also am not afraid to dig in and say, great, let's try to work through this, because I don't like to have conflict. It, It makes me sad. Pastor Rachel Warner from Maplewood, Minnesota, joined us for a great devotional.
8: Hi, everyone. My name is Rachel Warner, and I am addicted to approval. In fact, it's even hard for me to decide what to say to you today, because at the end, I want you to like me. I want you to like Kathy's show, and I want you to think that we've done a good job. Because it matters to me that you approve of me. But the more I've thought about it, the more I realize that I'm probably not the only one out there who is my own worst critic. I think about all the ways that we judge ourselves. From the time we get up in the morning to the time we go to bed at night. Judging ourselves based on how we look, what we're wearing, whether or not we've made it through enough items on our to-do list whether we feel we've been enough for our families and our friends. And I suspect that at the bottom of it all, our desire for the approval of others ultimately stems from these judgmental and critical views that we hold of ourselves. Well, there's a scripture that I often go to these days, especially when I'm feeling insecure, when I find myself turning to others to affirm my worth, instead of trusting in God's vision for me, God's image in me, and the desire God has to transform the world through me and through all of us. And that scripture comes from the Gospel of Luke from chapter 1, verse 45. It speaks of Mary, just as she is about to become the mother of Jesus. And the verse says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Now when I think about Mary's story, I think about a young woman who, who had to make a choice. She had to make a choice to sacrifice her need for the approval of others because there would be many who would judge her and criticize her and who would not believe or would not approve of who she was and what she was doing. But she had to make a choice to let all of that go in order to say yes to God, in order to be empowered as the person God had created her to be, in order to live forward the vision that God had for her life, in order to be a part of the bigger story of God's redemptive work in all the world. And so, when I'm feeling extra critical of myself, I think of Mary, and I remind myself to look instead to God as the source of my worth, to God who has created me, to God who has loved me, and to God who promises to bless those who believe that God will fulfill God's promises in us, and with us, and through us. So my prayer for you and for all of us this day is that we might remember that we are created on purpose by a God who calls us beloved, and that your worth might come from God and might be affirmed
1: as you see yourself in God's image. Amen. Leadership moments inspire us to work on becoming our best. Here's John Jennings with thoughts about stopping and
9: pausing. This is John Jennings with Leadership Moments by Jeremiah Palmer. Next time you get an email, a phone call, a question, choose to stop before responding. In a world where you can be reached nearly instantaneously, realizing that you have the option to pause can be mind-blowing and freeing. What makes stopping before responding a useful practice? First, just practicing stopping will strengthen your muscle of awareness you will start to realize how often you are had by a belief, assumption, feeling, or habit. Instead of just reacting, you will pause to consider what is happening in this moment. Second, choosing to stop will allow you to consider a host of additional things. Do I even need to respond? If so, what options do I really have? What is important in this conversation? Am I responding from a place of values and purpose or from a place of fear? Recognizing we have choice is awesome because we also wake up to the fact that we have so many choices at hand. Third, stopping allows for us to see a problem or question more completely. Often, the challenge at hand is complex, or at least complicated. By pausing, you give yourself and others the opportunity to wrap your mind around the issue. This spaciousness opens the door for creativity. So, how do we build stopping into our lives? Practice. It could be choosing to pause before responding to your 7-year-old, or stopping because you're jumping into your day, letting an email sit as you consider choices. Of course, the more you practice mindfulness, the more you will build this skill. Lastly, no matter your intent, you will forget to stop along the way. Just recognize it, reflect upon it without judgment, and then try it again.
1: Friends, this episode has been a fun one as we looked back over the year and gleaned some meaningful moments in today's show. As we do look back together, let's remember the glimpses of help and hope that we found from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to close today with this great verse that I taped up over my desk at work, Psalm 119.33. God, teach me lessons for living so I can stay the course. Give me insight so I can do what you tell me. My whole life, one long obedient response. Guide me down the road of your commandments. I love traveling this freeway. Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, as we start the new year out, help us to put you in front of us on the path of life. Help us to see you in places where you are working and to know that you're with us even when we can't see you. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy New Year, friends. Friends, if you enjoy this podcast, subscribe to it on iTunes and please give us a favorable review so that other people can listen to the show and enjoy it as well. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best.